You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Repnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Today I'm back with Carrie, and this is um, going to be a great topic today. We're going to talk about embryo donation or embryo adoption. The terms are used interchangeably, um, although there are some strong opinions about the different terms that we can, we may eventually get into on this podcast. And um, we're going to expand upon it a little bit more. So it's great to have you here, Carrie. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And tell me what, a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay, so my name's Carrie, and I live over in New York, and I am a proud mother of an adopted embryo. He is just turned one about a, not even a month ago, Okay. Um, and so it's been a long process to get to him and how we chose embryo adoption slash donation. As you said, they're, you know, I use them interchangeably. I'm not someone who has a strong opinion okay. on them, although I know... Um, it is something <laughs> that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's a little bit about, you know, how we got, to, how I got to be a parent. Um, other parts about me, I am an early childhood special education teacher. Okay. I work with students with autism and mm-hmm. I'm married to my husband, Chris, and mm-hmm. he's been my partner obviously through this and how we came about having our son, whose name is Brian. And he is just the perfect little beautiful thing. Yeah. And we um, also, what I'll go into further as, you know, we get going on everything, but we do also have a very close relationship with our donors. Okay. So that's turned into a nice blended family, which was a surprise. It wasn't really how we planned on going into things. We were Mm -hmm. open to everything, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of fell naturally. And at this point, we're very close. We see each other a couple of times a year. We talk a lot. Um, so that's all great. And mm-hmm. other than that, we're just happy to have our son and to finally be a family of three. It's been a, a long road to get here. So. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's going to be a lot of people interested in hearing this episode that I've had a lot of questions about embryo donation and adoption. And so it's going to be good to get into some details. I know that when you first reached out to me, you had, I think you had some questions that we can get into. And I also was hoping you can share your story about what led you to embryo adoption. Yes, of course. So basically, um, I'm infertile. <laughs> and when I, my husband and I had been married for only six months when I finally just decided to go and get for, to get fertility testing. I had had a gut feeling that something was going on. So we went in fairly early because we're only at the time I was 33, um, which was, you know, still considered young in the fertility world. Mm -hmm. So I went in, got some testing done and turned out my initial diagnosis was extremely low AMH. Then we decided to go forward with the IVF the one time. Um, We went through, you know, the whole stims, getting my eggs. I was only able to create... um, five eggs that turned into five embryos. Um, but unfortunately none of them made it to day five. Mm. 
those were our biological children that we lost then. That was our actual closure of like, we lost, you know, they're not, they're not ours anymore. We lost them then. They were already these people in our minds, you know? Um, so that was our first real, you know, hard grieving there. So that took a little bit of time. And then we went in for our follow-up for about two weeks or so after, you know, that day five. Um, and at that point we had gone in already knowing our statement, like what we constantly told our doctors was that we wanted to be parents. That was it. We were open to everything, whatever was going to help us be parents was what it was. And so from the beginning, our doctor was like, well, you guys keep saying it that way. Are you open to, you know, donor eggs? Which route do you want to go on? You know, there's a couple different options. Basically, you can go down the donor eggs. There's donor embryo and adoption. There's traditional adoption. You know, I think that you guys should talk to each other and come back and let me know. But I will say it seems like they were more on the donor egg route at the fertility clinic. I think it's also probably the easiest in a way for them, you know, so they kind of had given me more information on that. Um, and then Chris and I, my husband's name, we decided that, you know, embryo, do, embryo donation spoke to me. Yeah. And did your clinic have uh, embryos from families that they were offering no so that's what made it interesting yeah so they are a much smaller clinic and so they were you know that's why i think that they weren't really giving us a lot of information on that because it wasn't something that they did on a daily basis or even often so when we had gone home i said to chris listen i'm gonna open the computer and i'm gonna put a bunch of information on it for you I want you to read it on your own because I don't want you to know what I'm leaning towards. I want you to make some decisions for yourself because you need to be comfortable with it. It's not just about what makes me happy. You know, it's about both of us being happy. We both want to be parents. So you need to be comfortable with knowing all the information. So, and at the end, he literally just stops, closes his computer and he's like, I, I want to adopt an embryo. And I'm like, I'm crying. He's like tearing up and I'm like, me too. <laughs> and so we kind of talked about it and it, you know, made sure that we really both understood it and explained the process again. And, you know, and then we were kind of like, okay, well, we're great. We've come to this decision. It feels great. We love the idea that it's literally another family helping us and giving us this miracle of life you know, and still being able to carry the baby myself and be able to have that nine months of bonding and, you know, being able to be pregnant and, you know, have him be there with me through those nine months. And, you know, so that really spoke to us of, of being able to experience that still. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for you both, how long of a process was that, the decision to adopt an embryo? The decision for us was actually fairly quick. I would say it was about maybe a week or two for the decision, you know, that we, this is the one we wanted to pursue. Um, because, you know, we, like I said, we, I had already done a lot of previous research. So for me, I was a kind of already on board and then, you know, having him and then we, you know, we sat on it. It's not like we called that night and said, okay, we're ready. <laughs> you know, we, we had conversations back and forth and making sure we really, 
you know, truly understood what this meant. And then of course, then we had to go the next step into it of like, well, how now, what do we do? You know, do we contact our clinics? Do we do this privately? What kind of adoption are we open to? You know, so the conversation had to continue through there. You know, do we want to know the families? And for us, we ultimately had decided that we, we wanted to know, we wanted to know the family. That was, you know, the biggest thing. We wanted to be able to tell our child their story. So you wanted a known embryo adoption. Yes. Or open embryo adoption. Those, it could be called yes. either thing. What did, where'd you go through? Did you go through um, an agency? Yes. So we chose, well, I guess it's technically it's an agency, but we chose um, a website. Mm -hmm. It's National Registry for Adoption. Okay. And it basically was like you set up a profile comparable to online dating. Okay. Uh, where, you know, you kind of put some pictures of yourself on there, you describe yourself, they have some preset questions and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then there are some big, you know, some embryo things that they ask you, you know, what age are you looking for? How many, et cetera, that type of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, so we were excited and we set up our profile probably about two weeks after our follow-up with the doctor. Okay. And decided to go down that route because we had decided that we wanted to at least know the family. We wanted it to be at the very minimum semi-open adoption. We knew that we didn't want it to be closed. We wanted to be able to share, you know, our son's now story with him and be able to tell him details about, you know, the family and why they chose to do this. And if he has siblings, we wanted to be very open. We didn't want him to ever feel that we were hiding anything or that there was any shame in this. It was that we're proud of this. We, you know, we have done this. We worked so hard to have him. He's like, his story is just surrounded by so much love is the way that we view it. You know, this, his donors loved him so much that they wanted him to have a chance at life. And, you know, his brothers love him because he's here and they get to know him. And that's what we wanted to instill in him from the very beginning. I mean, he's only one now and we still, you know, we talk about it regularly. We read books, we, you know, so we wanted to make sure that we set him up for that much success. Mm -hmm. Obviously we understand anything can happen. He's going to have feelings and emotions as he grows, but it was important to us to be able to share his story with him and not, you know, have to say, well, we don't really know anything. What made you come to that conclusion or realization? Um, I think some of my background working with small children and being in education really did help with that because I understand child development and I understand that there's a, just a natural instinct to know where you come from and having, you know, that information, I think helps instill who you are. So even though your environment is extremely important and who you're raised with and, how you're raised. Um, I also feel that, you know, we all, we all want to know, know that connection. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to be able to be honest with my child from the beginning and let them know that this is how much we loved you. You know, this is what we did. This is all the different things that we had to go through to get to you. So you wanted to share the story with him about his donors and where he came from and give him that information. And it sounds like you've even where you are in contact with with his genetic um do you say parents how do you what what term do you 
So the terms that we have decided on, we actually had a conversation with the donors. We, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were all comfortable with the lingo, if you will, that we're using. Um, so we both decided that parents would only be reserved for us. And that actually came from them. And at first I was like, oh, you know, we don't need to do that. But the way that they explained it to me, especially Becky, who is the, the donor, uh, mom, if you will, um, she suggested that, you know, we stick to only saying mom and dad for us because one, she felt, I want him to always know that you are his parents. We are his donors, you know, and I want him to be able to understand that. And she said, and also for my own children, I don't want them to get confused or be worried that I'm not only their mom as far as everyday mm -hmm. mom of what we consider a mom, mm -hmm. you know, and then we kind of decided as they're older, you know, they'll start to understand more and that question will come up and then we can cover that and explain more in detail of like, yes, genetically and biologically, they are your parents, but we figured for the, like, the boys are also young. So right now their oldest is six and the next one is two. So we were kind of, you know, right now we're talking about small children lingo, basically, mm -hmm. you know, so we wanted to make sure we kept it clear of mom and dad so that they weren't like, you know, going to school and saying, well, I have two moms. At okay. Gotcha. So when I talk to Brian about it, I'll say, well, at this point we basically just use their names because we, yeah, their names. Yeah. Is that what you decided? Exactly. On? Because mm -hmm. yes. So we basically will just say, you know, Becky's coming, Jim's coming mm -hmm. and we'll use their names like that. And then, you know, they say for us, Carrie and Chris, and then the boys obviously are boys. And that language we've always kept to brothers. We've always explained that okay. they are brothers. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. we use. Um, and from the beginning, it was more on them that they were kind of exploring with the boys because they also wanted to be open. And so since they were older and obviously, you know, they were meeting us before. The first time we met, I was 20 weeks pregnant. So, um, you know, we wanted to tell the boys before that. And well, you know, more specifically, they wanted to tell them so that they understood when they saw us why I was pregnant and who was inside there. So the we have what's become part of our family at this point is this great book. I'm, sh I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. It's um, a picture book for children and it's called the P that was me. Mm -hmm. And so we started, she mm -hmm. started reading it first to the boys and it's kind of just taken on into our family. So our son, Brian is known as the baby P. So that's what they call him. Okay. So it's pretty cute. And then now we read it to Brian and you know, he's still, Again, he's one, so, you know, what he's understanding of that. Um, but we, you know, we use it as part of our uh -huh. our lingo here in the house and how we talk with him so that, again, his story will just be his story. It's very familiar. It's just what he knows. You know, that's what, what we try to set up for him. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, there will still be questions. And mm -hmm. as he grows, things will developmentally change and how much more information we give and all of that but for now you know we do openly say you know your donors and then we will say their names and then your brothers and then their names okay and you have the is do you have the book the p that was me an embryo donation story yes I do. okay yeah so there's yeah. several different versions of that story and right. one of them is the embryo donation story yes yeah i love that book <laughs> yeah.
it's yeah. a very cute way and simple way of explaining it, but yet it's very specific and, you know, actually gives the details that need, you know, needs for them to know, to understand. And the oldest son, um, he, you know, we fully believe that he understands at, for his age at six, you know, for as much as a six-year-old would uh, comprehend anything, Mm -hmm. He understands, you know, he'll actually explain like, you know, to other adults you, who you can tell they're more uncomfortable with the situation, meaning outside family members and stuff like that. They'll be kind of, you know, standing there a little awkwardly of like, oh, how is this going to go? And then the older son will be like, oh, well, you know, this is my, this is my baby brother, Brian. He used to be a P and now he lives with, you know, Miss Carrie and Mr. Chris. <laughs> He'll just mm -hmm. kind of like, you mm -hmm. know, because they're just so innocent. And again, it's, there's, it's just all they know now. It's mm -hmm. just the story and it's simply there without emotion because they're so young, you know? Yeah. And it's okay to use the word embryo too, um, especially as they're transitioning into the less concrete and more abstract thinking, they can, um, they can use more accurate terminology. You see them once or twice a year? Yeah. Yeah, so we have, it started, the first visit, like I said, was when I was around 20 weeks pregnant. We met um, at a beach uh, location, kind of halfway. They live in West Virginia, and we're in New York. So we met there and had a nice little, you know, beach time. It was just a couple of days, and that went great. And then from there, it's kind of gone on to, we actually spent Thanksgiving together this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they actually came to my son's first birthday. Okay. So it really is like extended family. Yeah. At this point it's become, and, and that it was natural, you know, that was not something that we mm -hmm. agreed on. There wasn't uh, you know, we need to do this. It just kind of fell into place. We generally at this point all just, just love each other. It's just a mutual love and respect there of, you know, this as parent to parent, person to person, and then now a family member to a family member. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, and there are definitely, you know, emotions there. I'm sure uh, more on their end. Mm -hmm. We do talk about them at some times, um, you know, which I won't share much because it's their, that's their part of the story, but mm -hmm. they will, you know, express that, you know, it's a little hard at points and, you know, and then other points, they're kind of like, it's sort of weird. Sometimes I almost forget, like mm -hmm. I see you guys and I look at you and I see you completely as a family mm -hmm. and it just, you know, makes me so happy and you, and then I forget. And then I'm like, Oh wait, like if they're like, it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's yeah. kind of strange. You know, there is, there's no handbook on it is what we always say. It's yeah, not, so true. you know, it's you know, so there's not a way, a certain way to feel or not feel. And that's where we've all sort of always been with it, that we're all open and whatever you're feeling, we're going to respect that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's, you know, and that's kind of what we've told our parents too, because that was interesting, like having them meet, you know, they were sort of like, well, what do I say? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I, you know, and we're just kind of like, it's okay. Just take yeah. a deep breath. This, there's no handbook. Nobody's telling anybody how to act or how to not act. Like mm -hmm. just be yourself. And what we do is we just look at the kids and yeah. just see how awesome this is. And then you just, it naturally falls, you know, and that's sort of what has happened. It's been interesting to see the different generations and how, you know, they in the beginning were kind of like, wait, what's happening? You're going to have a baby, but, <laughs> you know, not really understanding the specifics. And then now it's so natural to them that they're explaining it to 
everyone, you know, and their generation and they're kind of like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and then how did you know you were going to be a good match when you were going through the profile and you're creating your profile and then they chose you? Were there, could you tell at the time that you had some similarities just in the share, you know, traits and stuff you shared on the profile? Yes. Um, from the beginning, I honestly remember saying to my husband the first night, like, I feel like this is it. Like there was this, I don't know why or how, but there was this instant bond there that somehow there was just this connection when to be completely honest, we had received, I was actually overwhelmed with how many people wanted to donate their embryos to us. I expected it to be the exact opposite. I thought, I don't know how long this process will be, you know, let's sign up for this profile and let's see. And almost immediately we started receiving emails. Um, you know, and I think we just kind of fit into the right thing. We're at the right age. We have a house. We have that, you know, we sort of fit that stereotypical, what you will of what you're thinking, <laughs> you know, to give, we have good jobs. Like there was no, you know, reason to not basically. And then it was like, as conversations would go, then you would find those, those differences that actually were important values to me. For instance, the one thing I wasn't prepared for, some people were very specific and they would say things to us like, well, you know, we'd be willing to donate, you know, our embryos to you if you would uh, promise to um, enroll our child in this particular type of church mm. and things like that. And we were kind of like very taken back by that of like, mm -hmm. wait, what? Like this is, no, like that seems strange to me. I mean, every, every donor has their right to feel the way they feel is the way I feel about it, you know? But as me taking that donor, it felt like you want us to be a certain specific way and you want to be that far involved where you're, where how I'm raising them and their values. Like you should kind of just feel comfortable with who I am, like take longer time to get to know me mm -hmm. and then you should be okay with that, you know? And if you're not, then by all means, you know, then, then we're not the right match, you know? Okay. But yeah. with Becky, it was very different. It was just very natural. It was like, we were long lost girlfriends. We just started talking. She was the first one to actually just ask me if I was okay and how this journey was for me. And just to kind of say as another infertility warrior to just be like, listen, this is really hard. Are you all right? You know, how was the process for you? I'm sorry that, you know, everything has been hard for you. And that kind of just spoke volumes to who she is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then from there, it just kind of happened to just happen naturally. And we just started going back and forth on, you know, what our hopes and dreams are for our children and, you know, how we, like, what kind of things we like to do. And, but really to her, she always expressed that none of that was really important to her. She just wanted someone, she wanted to feel the love. She wanted to know that the couple was loved and was going mm -hmm. to love the child, you know? And she was like, I could feel that from you guys from the beginning, like how you wrote about yourselves. And one of the things they have on the profile is that you write about the, write about your partner. So it's kind of like, I write about my husband and he writes about me. And I think that's probably why they do that. You know, they want to mm -hmm. see like, what will you say? And you can, you can just like regular online dating, you can tell which profiles are just trying to be somebody that they're not, or, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. At mm -hmm. least that was what she also said from her end. She was like, you know, we read a lot of profiles where I was like, this doesn't seem genuine to me, mm -hmm. you know, she's like, what you guys were 
very genuine and just, you know, you were just being yourselves and just hoping that, you know, it worked out. So for us, that's how it was. Yeah. And then explain to the listeners if, you know, about the arrangement itself. So, you know, we know it's obviously for those that don't know, it is illegal to sell uh, human tissue in the United States. So, so if you can speak to the financial aspect of embryo adoption, a lot of people have questions about the finances, the money that's exchanged and the legal aspects of embryo adoption. And um, I think sometimes Mm -hmm. even people are concerned that, you know, money is being exchanged for um, conception. So talk to me a little bit about that process for you. Um, So for us, our process was, you know, after we decided that we were a good match and, you know, they, they basically decided that they said we would like to, you know, give our embryos to you guys. And um, so from there, the recommendation for, to us was to um, contact a reproductive lawyer. So we, you know, went about finding a lawyer, which this is where my clinic comes back into play here. So we had told them this is our decision. This is, you know, what we're going about. They said that they would help us anywhere along the way. They gave me a psychologist, a reproductive psychologist to talk to, and then a reproductive lawyer and then said, you know, whenever you're ready, this is some referrals that we have. So once we contacted the lawyer, um, you know, they explained the process to us also, made sure that I knew that it was illegal for anyone to ask me for money. Um, and then they told us, you know, that they basically had a generic contract written up already. Um, and that then we would add in any specifics that we would like to, if you, you know, wanted to add in, you need to email this often or anything like that, that would be something that, you know, we would decide with the donors and then we could put that all into a contract. Was the the website you mentioned, did they charge at all? Did they charge the family or you for the connection? So they do not, I believe they do not charge the donors, but they do charge their recipients. And they say that they're only charging you for your, you know, your space and your profile and et cetera. I believe it was, I want to say it was around $200 for the year. Um, So it wasn't a drastic thing. I do feel in a way that this stuff should be, uh, free, but that's my personal opinion. I guess it costs money to keep websites up and running and advertising and that type of thing. But, um, you know, that was, and that's how we chose to go about it. There are other ways to do it even without that. Like I know there's a lot of Facebook groups out there now. There's a lot, but with that, you know, you also take your risks of knowing who people really are. Yeah. How do they verify Exactly. So there is a process. I'm not exactly sure on the specifics, but I know at the time when I researched the website and I read it, there was information there of, you know, that we, we do quote unquote verify whatever that meant to them. Do you Um, know, does Becky, did she talk about how they were verified? Did they have to provide um, information that they had embryos to donate? You know what? I don't know that information. It's probably something I should ask her just for the knowledge base, Mm -hmm. but I would hope so. I would hope that, you know, there's some sort of verification there on that process to Mm -hmm. make sure that people aren't, you know, ending up in some sort of situation that could be devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but for us, I, I didn't uh, go as far as that. I do know with our legal, um, 
agreements, when we spoke to the lawyers, they had told us, you know, that they would um, receive information, that they would start asking for some specifics like the information on the embryos, like the medical papers on them so that they would know mm -hmm. at least that part that, you know, at least that they had the papers that are valid. Of course, again, mm -hmm. people could obviously make up a paper if they, well, you know, yeah. if anyone. Um, and then what we decided to do, what we agreed on was we paid their legal fees. So that was, you know, the expense that was there. They, meaning they as in our donors, did not expect us to pay. They even had said that we didn't have to pay their legal fees, but they also did not expect us to pay anything else. I know that I've heard of some situations where they wanted you to take over like the, um, the storage fees, the embryos are stored somewhere, you know, they're kept frozen. It's and do you know uh, the, the agency that connected you, are they, do you know much about them and, and who they are and, you know, what who runs it is it a not-for-profit organization do you know um i don't really know to be honest with you so it, and i the reason i ask those questions is i think it's important that that we have some transparency in this field and by the agencies the banks and the clinics that they offer that transparency to the public and to obviously to parents yeah and so they know that what's going on and, and you can make the best decision, the best informed decision at the time. Uh, and it's great for you that you're connected with your donors because you don't have to worry about going back and finding information from the agency. And it looks like this register, it's more of a registry is what they're calling it. It's more, it's not so much a full service agency. It's more of a place that you can connect right. and find each other, almost like a Facebook or like a, you know, um, an app. and that you can find and connect each other, but they aren't responsible for the legalities or any of the um, facilitation of the arrangement. That's that you do on your own independently. Is that right? Right. Okay. It, Got it. Exactly. Yes. So that's why I wasn't sure. Yeah. If they actually verify anything on that end, because they're kind of just sort of setting up a space to communicate, if you will. Yeah. I hope they do because that I believe that is their responsibility. If they are providing a profile on a website, there is a responsibility for that to be a legit profile and not a fake profile. And, and they, you know, unfortunately people prey on, on right. parents that want babies on couples that want babies. They really do. And, but um, that's a, important just so, as you know, going into a parent wanting to be parent that you feel you're not going way down this process with a, a potential donor and then have it not even be, you know, legitimate. So, or have something not work about it. The other thing I think it's important to talk about is some doctors will say that embryo donation, the frozen embryos aren't as viable. Did you hear that from your doctor when you told him you wanted to go down this route? No. So they were pretty open about it when they came back and said, you know, okay, this is what we're doing. They were actually very excited for us. At that point, you know, they had formed a connection with us. Now, let me go back and say that we are fortunate that our clinic is would be considered an extremely small clinic compared to, you know, all these big ones out there that I'm constantly reading about. And they're kind of more of like a franchise in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, ours is a one doctor practice. And then there's a physician's assistant. And then of course, you know, nursing and embryology and all that, but it is way smaller. So we had that um, opportunity to form an actual relationship with 
our, you know, clinic and our staff. So that I think played a major part in it where they were, you know, they were connected to us where, you know, we were, they said that we were a very different couple that came in where we were very open and we just sort of, like I said, our phrase just became, we, we just want to be parents. So they were, you know, they were excited for us and they were willing to help. And, you know, they ended up having to, here in New York, it's actually more difficult than in other states. So I've heard um, about having any tissue cross state lines. So there was a little bit more of medical red tape, if you will, that they mm-hmm. needed to go through. I'm not exactly sure again on those specifics, but a lot of making sure the embryos were tested a certain way, that the donors were tested, that we were tested, and a lot of paperwork needed to make sure that it was all there. We were fortunate that it all worked out, that our donors had you know, gotten a lot of testing done. They had done everything. The embryos had been tested. Uh, so everything just sort of worked out uh, mm-hmm. for us because I know that I've also talked to other couples who have uh, tried in New York and were not able to because the donors, you know, they skipped one little simple test at the clinic or et cetera. And then the clinics weren't able to legally take the tissue mm-hmm. into the state. And so then, you know, that turned into a whole other situation for other couples. Yes. If you're doing it independently, there are a lot of details that you really need to be aware of. For example, did you know the date that your embryos were frozen? Yes. So we knew very specifics. We knew the dates. We knew the gender. Uh, we knew their grade. We knew, yeah, we knew basically everything that there was. And did they tell you the technology that they were preserved under the cryopreservation process? I believe so. I know that there was a there was paperwork on all of that. So I know that when I brought it to my clinic, the embryologist had looked at everything there, um, all the paperwork, you know, that I had had. And they said that everything was, you know, quote unquote, fantastic, that everything was done like top notch and whatever that specifically means. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> but I do know you know, that they did have the information. I had the information. So there can be embryos that are frozen for, you know, a long time. And in fact, was it last year or year before their first baby born was from a 20 year old uh, frozen process. Yeah. And that was incredible. Yeah. However, it's technology has changed so quickly that the cryopreservation has changed and improved. And so you want to ask those questions about that. If you're looking at an older embryo, some people will hang on to their embryos until it's like really gets later and then they decide 10 years that, okay, now it's time to, to make a decision. Um, but you'll do, you do want to ask about that because that can change and impact the um, viability. And so just that's something to ask a doctor. That's not something I know, but it is something to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, what, do you have any specific questions about that you wanted to talk to me about at all? think that I've read your book and, you know, I think that we are on the same page as mm-hmm. far as, you know, trying to be open and explain, you know, my, to my son, everything. I'm sure that as he gets older, um, you know, there'll be more emotions and he'll have difficult questions. And then I may be reaching out some more then, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I guess, uh, based on everything that you've heard about how we're handling things, do you, do you have any advice for me? Do you think that, you know, we are handling things in your opinion, you know, as open and as, as much as we can. So what you're doing is 
so unique and really new. And I know there's of other families that are in a known and open donor relationship and it works well and in their situation as well. And it's so good for the child because what we know from the adoption field is that open adoption really helps the child when they know who their genetic um, contributors are, their parents, their donors, whatever you terminology you use, when they know that information from the start, it really does reduce a lot of that, the questions and the mystery and the unknowns that children fill in with things sometimes. So it's, it, it can, if it works well for you all, it can be such a good thing. And like for you, it's extended family. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. If the ca- families have the ability to be in a known situation for their child, I do think that is the best thing. Um, if everything's, you know, if all parties are, are open to that and, and it's working and, and that may change over time. You might have times where you're more distant from each other, times where you're closer, you know, that's kind of just like any family that happens. And so right. just having that flexibility is really important over the years of, you know, knowing that, you know, as you come across challenges or changes of opinion or just changes in feelings, just to be able to kind of go with the flow and be flexible and adapt with it. Um, that's, that's part of what family does. Yeah. So I think it is a fantastic thing to be known and open if you can be. And I really do believe it's probably the way of the future just because I think, you know, history tends to repeat itself and um, the adoption field went from being secretive to being now being um, more open. And I think the right. same will follow with donor conception is it, it is started in secrecy just the same. And I think it will continue on the path towards being open as well, hopefully. Um, yeah. And you know, it's just, it's not to say that if you're not open, that you're going to have problems and that the child's going to be, you know, unhappy. There's, that's just not that clear cut. Uh, just, we just know in the adoption field from years of research that children that know who their um, genetic contributors were um, can fill in some pieces and really do better work in the beginning at, with their identity development and can learn who they are and not, don't have to kind of go backwards and and try to fill in some blanks. So it just can be really helpful to know that they're loved by everyone that brought them into this world or everyone that was a part of bringing them into this world, that they're either loved or cared for in some capacity can be really emotionally and mentally helpful to kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's how I have, how I feel about it. And that's why, you know, it was important to me to make sure we knew you know, who the donors were and have this open thing. Cause I wanted totally. him to know, you know, he came yeah. from love. He came from love all around. That's, That's how right. much, you know? Yeah. And you'll hear, and you heard in Beth's episode, I think she said, or her wife said, basically adding love doesn't take away. There's, you know, the more people that love us is just more, it's, it doesn't take away from those that already love us. It just yeah. adds to it. So I think that's a great attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, it's so great to have you. Thanks for being on today and sharing all your knowledge. And I know we'll just have more um, questions and information to share throughout other podcasts. So this was a great, a great start. Thank you so much. Take care, Carrie. Bye-bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow for more content, you can go to my Instagram and Facebook account at Jana Repnow LPC or follow Three Makes Baby on Instagram. You can get a copy of my book and the companion workbook to Three Mix Baby on Amazon. If you like this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Have a great day.